Hello and welcome to the WAMDA podcast. My name is Triska Hamid and I'm the editor at WAMDA. Now, this is the last episode of the Food Tech series where we look at how technology is impacting the food sector. I spoke to Rami Badawi and Amber Hak, a married couple who launched a couple of restaurants in Dubai, both of which failed. They waited a few years before they launched For the Love of Bread Bakery. I spoke to them about their experience of founding and failing in the food sector and the impact that technology is having on their latest venture. Hi, guys. Hello. Hi. So you guys founded this wholesale bakery. Talk us through your experience of how this came about. Okay. So um, I've been in the food and beverage business since uh, 1999. Um, I actually accidentally got into it, but uh, always wanted to be in it. So it's, um, I'd wanted to be into it, but I never had that push to get into it. So um, literally an accident, a car accident, uh, got me into food and beverage, uh, I guess 20 some years ago now. And um, I I was very fortunate. I started my career with uh, the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, which kind of uh, set the the tone for things to come. And what were you doing there? Uh, I was actually a waiter. I I never, waiters in the United States make a lot of money. So I I never had any reason to do anything else. As a 20 year old making good money, it was was a nice, of job but um, I think um, it also gave me a lot of exposure to different kinds of food and uh, different kinds of people etc fast forward many years uh, about 10 years I finished my university degree in economics and uh, I moved to Dubai and started working as a consultant a risk management consultant and after a while like I really wanted to do something on my own and uh, food and beverage was I mean, it was a passion, but it was also what I knew. Uh, I didn't want to be just start a business I had no idea about. I had never worked in. So I decided to start. Umber and I, um, uh, Umber actually went and did a course in in pizza making, Neapolitan pizza making. And I think uh, from there, you know, we sort of tweaks and whatever and came up with our own product. So I have, just to clarify, I have zero experience prior to this in food and beverage. I actually hold um, a master's degree in human rights law and I was working in international education and um, I had decided for various reasons to resign from my position and I was really looking for something that would use a broader range of my skills. So I'm not, for me, the interest wasn't necessarily in food. Um, It was more in the marketing and operations side of things, but we had made a joint decision that we weren't going to sell anything we didn't know how to make. So so your first venture into the F&B industry was... Uh, Pizzeria, yeah. So, um, I mean, the, the thing we identified in the market that we didn't find here was uh, New York style pizza. Okay. So uh, I think there's quite a bit of an Italian presence here. And mm-hmm. uh, so we... We decided to do something more with a New York flair to it. In fairness to your listeners, we want to be very honest. I, I can't say that we did like a formal uh, market study or anything like that. Okay. It was just, uh, you know what? And I, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs today, especially in the food sector, feel the same way or, or make decisions the same way. And I'm here to warn them that it's a mistake. We, we just kind of, you know, said, you know, we, don't, we would love to have this here, so why don't we go ahead and do that? So that's, that's kind of what, uh, what drove the first place. Um, I think we were fortunate in that we had a really, really good reception, and people loved what we were doing. So this was the pizza guys? Yes, the oh, pizza where, where guys. Where was that based? Um, that was in Business Bay, actually. Okay. It was in a small mall called Bay Avenue. And, and uh, when did you open it? It was uh, February 2013. 
13. So the economy was doing quite well back then, if I remember. Yes, it was. When yeah. we first opened, it definitely was. So was that your full-time job for both of you, or were you still doing other things on the side? It was full-time for me, and Rami was still working at uh, Ernst & Young. He was still, still full-time at Ernst & Young. But that didn't work out. Uh, so what happened? The unfortunate truth is that I don't think that restaurant didn't work out. I think actually it did. It was a, it was a I'd say a mild success. What ended up happening was we made uh, a decision to expand our business, but we did it in the wrong way. What happened was we instead of expanding what we had, and this is another sort of tidbit. Uh, you know, if you have something that ain't broke, don't fix yeah. it. So. We kind of looked at our operation from our own eyes and we said, you know, what is it that is missing? And then we thought we were rectifying those things. And uh, I mean, what we learned later and the hard way was that we weren't actually. We, there were certain things about the concept that people really loved and really connected with. And all of those things were sort of, I don't say omitted, but left out in, in favor of what we thought people okay. wanted so to clarify the we opened another pizzeria okay and it was not called the pizza guys it was called pie dubai and that was opened at dubai mall we were at the time the only independent restaurant in a mall full of very big international brands we thought that you know to provide our customers with a more central location with, with a prettier restaurant with you know more comfortable seating and a very you know well thought out ex well executed menu by a very talented chef so we had, you know, we, we took the pizza game up a level and then we also added a bunch of other things and everything was artisan, everything was handmade, whatever it was. We didn't really stop at anything and we thought we were delivering the best experience, but actually it turned out that we weren't. And so when Pi closed, it kind of took pizza guys down with it. That's the truth. Your customers didn't switch over? They definitely came okay. um, and they, they were super excited. And, and the first few months, you know, we had uh, people showing up from... You know, people that had been ordering delivery from pizza guys who we'd never seen would show up at Pi. And, um, so they definitely came and there was over, I would say, not overwhelming, but the majority of them would came up to us and be like, man, you know, we, 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 we really like the pizza guys, though. You know, we really like the pizza guys. And we're Rami and Aris standing there like, but we made this one better for you. Like, what do you mean you like the pizza guys? But they were very clear. Like, yeah, you know, the food is really good here. But yeah, we, we really like the pizza guys. And then we had people come up to us, other people in the industry, other restaurateurs saying, guys, you know, why didn't you just open another pizza, guys? And, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, like, yeah. right? So we, we went into this thinking we were improving and learning from our mistakes and everything that we had done at Pizza Guys. But in fact, maybe those weren't mistakes. To me, it just sounds like you weren't appealing to your actual customers. You created something different that just didn't appeal to the core base. I, I think that would be a fair assessment. And I think that they were so loyal to Pizza Guys, they just they didn't they weren't interested in to be honest in much else. And so, I also don't think it resonated with the crowd that was in the mall. Um, we thought we were in you know on the waterfront promenade at Dubai Mall, great location. Not so much for this concept. Okay. And what year was this? We opened in 2015. Okay. And it closed a year later. So at what point did you realize this isn't working? We have to shut down. Um, I mean, there are different answers to that. I think everybody had their different idea on that. But I think there came a point where... Uh, so you have to understand, operating a restaurant in Dubai Mall is extremely expensive. It's not something that you can just drag on and, and not, not feel the, the, the pain. So... 
um, I, I think there came a point where like we felt that we had exhausted like literally every idea that we had and nothing was turning things around. That, that was the point sort of where we said, okay, you know, just to keep this place open, it's going to take X amount of money and, you know, we don't have that. So. And how many employees did you have at the time? Oh, uh, about 50. Yeah. And, and I just like one other thing I think that was a, a key sort of issue uh, was that as Umber mentioned, the place was not designed by people who understood malls. It okay. was designed as an independent restaurant, which would have probably worked in DIFC or something. But when you're designing a restaurant in a mall, you know, you have to think like a Nike or, a, you know, th- this is how you like something in your face, uh, very clear because okay. people literally walk by and they have like two seconds to make a decision. So our place was designed in exactly the opposite way. So that, that was another sort of key issue that, uh, and, and learning we took away. Be obvious in what you're selling. And that's why, like, uh, you know, Umber and I worked very hard in this venture to make it extremely clear what our value proposition is. And, um, you know, I think f- so far from the feedback, people are really connecting with that. So, so before we, we talk about this current venture, how did you pick yourself up and decide to go back into the F&B industry after your dream not working out? I just thought that there was something more to do. Uh, and I, I was very fortunate to have people who believed in what we had done, had understood very clearly why Pi didn't work. So... I think, you know, I I was fortunate in that. And they said, listen, you know, your issue has never been product. The issue is that, you know, perhaps, you know, what you did, where you did it. Um, But for me uh, personally, and uh, I'm sure we'll have our own own view on this. uh, For me personally, this is the only thing I want to do with my life. I want to open and run businesses. And, you know, I'm fortunate that I have that. But I also have something, a story here that I really, really, really believe in and has affected my life personally. So I think for me, those two sort of meet there, there's, there's such an emphasis on the guys and the girls and, and the men and the women who make it. And now we're seeing a trend, you know, the young, super young, the Kylie Jenners and the Zuckerbergs of the world who are making it very young. Uh, the truth is, is that most of us don't make it. And entrepreneurship is not this glamorous. It's, you know, I was traumatized, to be honest, by, by what was going on at Pi because we were trying... So, I mean, we had put so much into this and this is not a, it's, it's not, it's not, um, it, it's more of a warning. What, what I'm, what I'm trying to convey is, you know, there's a huge emotional and psychological toll that people, you know, you see the pretty restaurant and you see the great chef and you see the great food and people have no concept of what, it, what went into that. And 90, I don't know what the stat is now, but I think what eight out of 10 restaurants close in the first year. I think uh, the F&B industry is really, really suffering at the moment. But Pizza Guys closed in 2016, you know, um, the same year that Pi closed, Pizza Guys closed a few months later. And I was just thinking, how is, and are you, are you serious? Like the possibility, I couldn't even entertain the thought of doing this all over again so i wouldn't necessarily say i'm a serial entrepreneur i think i i needed a couple of couple of years to to recover from what happened at pi but you've managed to recover both of you so let's talk about uh, for the love of bread and how that all came about I've always loved bread this is not a, an exaggeration like i remember when i was a kid i used to eat tabbouleh the yes. salad with bread instead of a fork so i i've really like i used to go to like this place in arabic called lebanese flour bakery 
a very old school bakery when I was a kid. And uh, when I would walk in, like the guy would say, oh, Melik Zatar is here, like the king of Zatar is here, you know. So like it's really been a lifelong obsession with bread. And then I got uh, quite large in terms of uh, my own volume. Uh, I, I remember this day where I was driving to work with a colleague of mine and uh, like I sat in the car and the button like literally flew off. And that was kind of my moment where, okay, something needs to change. So I, I started doing some research on like, you know, what is the easiest way to, you know, lose weight? Because I'm, I'm kind of I mean, I'm very hardworking, but I'm a little bit lazy also. Okay. Like, I, I like to really find the smart way to do things. So, <laughs> so um, I found this whole, like, no-carb thing. And uh, I went on it. And it went, for me, personally, it was like a miracle. Like, I lost 90 pounds. And, and I kept it off for a very long time, like, years. But after a while, I was like, okay, this is not living, you know. So there, there has to be, like, a better way. <laughs> so I started doing research again. And, and I came across this sourdough stuff. I said, you know what, let's try this. So yeah, messing around in the kitchen and we, we came up with the sourdough uh, pizza. And okay. uh, we were Dubai, the first people in Dubai, I believe, to do that. Now, uh, sourdough is natural yeast. It's not the stuff that comes out of packets or is commercially made. Exactly. So mm -hmm. it's just bread. Uh, it's fermented. It's not okay. risen. That's the difference between yeasted bread and sourdough bread. So it's there's a there's the yeast, natural yeast, but there's also natural bacteria. So it's a fermentation process. Okay. So, yeah, we started doing that. And then uh, from there, I kind of went into baking bread at home and eating it daily and not struggling with my weight. And I said, uh, there are a million people in the world who are relating to this precise story. And, and that was it. I said, I have to do this and I have to call it for the love of bread. That's how it came about. And uh, we decided, like, sort of in line with my own personality, very simple. We, we focus on two or three products and we try to make as much of it as we can. So did you train at all? All at home. Wow. So uh, I, I learned to bake at home. Um, obviously, having a pizzeria was, was helpful. Yeah. So, uh, But most of it is just uh, learning at home. One of the biggest challenges was, you know, how to go from home baking to commercial baking. And it's something that took a lot of figuring out to do because there's nobody to help you. It's like, there's so no how books did you about do it? I'm, I'm very interested because you have a lot of bakers and cooks on Instagram and they, and they yeah. sell through yes. that way. So, yeah. so how did you make the transition? Yeah, that was uh, definitely tri trial and error. There no, and, and, you know, asking anybody who knew anything about baking. So any, you know, we're fortunate that because we've been in the industry for five, six years here, you know. But again, not everybody is open with that information. So you have to really just trial and error. There's no other way to do it. I'm quite interested in, in finding a out about the moment that you decided, okay, I'm gonna do this professionally now or commercially. Mm -hmm. How easy was it to get the license? Um, how easy was it to, to find a, a spot? We're in Alco's right now. How easy was it to find the bakers to help you? What what did you go through? What were the, the, the challenges? So in terms of licensing in Dubai, um, everybody says it's difficult, but the reality is it's not difficult. I think what it is is expensive. The procedures are there. Uh, if you follow them, you know, they work. But what it is, like I said, is expensive. Uh, it's, it's expensive to get a trade license. It's expensive to rent. I mean, we're in a warehouse, so it's obviously cheaper than Dubai Mall, but it's still not cheap. Uh, finding a warehouse was extremely difficult because uh, not because there aren't enough warehouses, but enough warehouses that will allow you to have a food and beverage operation and also have enough power. So we, we lost six months of time trying to get enough electricity to 
to set this place mm. up. So um, in terms of staff, um, none of these guys before they started here had ever baked a loaf of bread. So these guys are all people that worked with us for a long period of time and we, we knew them and we trusted them. So one thing that a lot of startups complain about is the lack of talent. Do you think that's the same in the food and beverage sector or is there talent? It, it depends how you define talent, right? Uh, what we don't have here, and I'll just use baking as an example, is we don't have an abundance of people who are dying to be pastry chefs or bakers. You know, we don't ha- that we don't have. It's not like opening a bakery in Paris where you're going to find people graduating from culinary school, apprentices. So it's just the nature of the market here. I mean, you have transient labor you don't have people who are coming here to set up their lives yet um but i I find that to be more of an excuse i mean that's my my personal view umber obviously has another one yeah so the question is a good one is there a lack of talent in the market i don't think so actually i don't think so at all um i just find the ways that people evaluate talent is very strange here we really need to have a serious conversation about that in this country across industries to be honest it's not just food and beverage so when you started your wholesale bakery why did you go down that route there's there's a couple of parts to this so the, the first part is i am a product person like i'm very like that's where i'm happiest and i felt that would be more suited to a wholesale market for me, it was just, okay, I'm really good at making products, so why don't I let other people deal with the hassle of you know, running a restaurant? Let me supply them with the quality ingredients at a, at a, at a good price. So um, that was the primary driver, I'd say, of why wholesale. And I just felt that there, there weren't that many options in this market for sourdough bread. There was a lot of like what I call legacy businesses importing frozen bread from wherever or you know modern bakery making you know certain kinds of bread but this particular niche did not exist and I think there is an uptrend in in people who are more conscious about what they eat and cafes that are trying to say you know we source this we source that so uh, that was the the market opportunity on some level you know we had always planned to go into retail um because at the end of the day, it's end users who are who need this product. People at home with children, etc. So, but wholesale just seemed like the the, the smart place to start. Uh, we could set up an operation that wasn't too expensive. And how did you go about uh, finding customers? Well, uh, this is uh, social media and our and our reputation. Uh, I think uh, before we had social media, it was just a couple of people who knew the pizza guys and who had restaurants who said, hey, uh, you're making bread, so I, I know it's going to be good. And and that's how that started. But then, you know, once we got on social media, and I'd say 90 plus percent of our wholesale accounts come through social media. So that's been our primary way to connect with the outside that's, world. That's really interesting because you would think that with social media, it's the consumers that would be the followers, not other businesses. So I, I do the social media. I do the marketing and the social media for for the love of bread. And the challenge that I had was, okay, so this is a wholesale bakery. How am I going to create an Instagram page or any social media presence for a wholesale bakery? Who's going to follow a wholesale bakery? So what I decided to do initially was start a personal Instagram page for Rami. That's called Bread by Rami because what I had to do, I had to leverage our reputation 
as former restaurateurs. And the only way I could do that was through a personal Instagram account. And once I started doing that, you know, people who had recognized us, recognized the restaurants, recognized him, um, he's featured very prominently on that page. Then businesses just, they started contacting us directly through Instagram. And so how many followers do you have now? Not not a lot. I mean, we're not that you know the hundred k level or yeah. anything. Um, his personal page has uh, just just under fourteen hundred, and then a few months after that, I launched the professional business Instagram account for the love of bread. It's it's people with the hundreds of thousands or the millions that you think would be able to sell something. But the fact that you know you have below five thousand and you you have customers from that, that you you're, you've managed to do the conversion yeah i mean we have it's a very engaged community and you know we i mean the, the two pages have two totally different strategies but they do complement each other and again it was just you know i i think people responded to the fact that you know the pizza guys are now doing something else and i think we had to be honest even though you know those restaurants they didn't work out for the reasons that we've discussed already i think our reputation was a very good one you know we're we're, we're not known as people who cut corners you know, we were very transparent and people respond to transparency. They really do. So how often do you post? Um, I was posting every day for his personal account. And then when I, um, we started doing something called bakery day, business strategy changed based on some things that I was looking at on social media. So we had a lot of wholesale inquiries. I was posting every day, but then we also had individuals say, guys, where can we get your bread? I, mean, I think I was one of them. Okay. On <laughs> so I said, Rami, I said, listen, you know, I'm, I, you, you got to do a bakery day. You got to open up the bakery so that pe- people can buy your bread. Like we can't just, you know, have a wholesale, you know, keep posting about, you know, uh, our bread and not let people try it. So we had our first bakery day. And so from once we started doing bakery day, then I said, okay, it's time to have another page that's dedicated to the bakery because I didn't want to make his page super commercial. Um, so, you know, what he's doing, how he's making his products, what's on his mind. That was a, it was a personal page to help people connect with the brand. And so I devoted a lot of attention. I mean, they're both still active um, on For the Love of Bread. I post about five times a week. And then his um, personal page, I, I try and post every three or four days. And do you use other social media outlets or is it just Instagram? Right now, believe it or not, it's just Instagram. That is going to change, but at this time, it's only Instagram. So how important, if you could sum it up, how important has Instagram been to for the love of bread compared to, say, Pizza Guys or, or Pie? It is our sole lead generation tool. So I would say critical to our business. Okay. The one thing also um, that's helping is that there is a very clear message that people connect with. So the the Love Bread again has given us sort of that direction and everything that Umber's doing is around that. And I, I think this is why it's successful because we constantly get, you know, direct messages, people sending us pictures of what they're doing with the bread, sending us, you know, like, oh, thank you for giving us valuable information. And I think that's another thing is like we try to educate people on why you can love bread again and, and not you know hurt yourself or whatever so so it's having this kind of unique but also personal aspect to it to engage yes people and 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 i'm just i i can't even post a picture on instagram so let me make this clear i'm not 
philosophizing here. I'm just telling you what people tell us on Instagram. So I, I can't check direct messages, but people literally thank us and say thank you for giving us, you know, informing us or giving us valuable content for not just trying to push your product. And and I was actually because. We never had that at Pi and we never had that at Pizza Guys. Nobody ever sent us a message saying thank you for posting information. You know, so I think people are responding to the fact that we are we are sincere in our in our communication with them and it's not just about pictures of food and pushing pictures of food and you know eat this eat that it's more about okay well here's why you can love bread again so we're justifying our our sort of brand message just to add i'm just going to add one other point to that the bakery page also yeah there's a lot of engagement on the information type posts and that is just if you provide any customer with value I think they respond very well. So do you feel like you have a different customer now compared to the pizza guys and, and pie? There's definitely an overlap for sure that we have. I recognize, I still recognize names that used to follow us um, at pizza guys and at pie. They're following us now. That And that was the idea, right? It was to leverage the, the reputation. So they're still there. Um, I think we're just reaching another kind of demographic. How have you seen the food landscape change in the region over the past few years? Because it started out with a lot of franchises, but there seems to be a lot more of the locally grown brands. What have you guys noticed? Uh, market saturation. Just so many food and beverage outlets, so many restaurants, so many coffee shops. And what we're seeing now is, you know, the market is, is I mean, there's so many of them are closing so the market, it's doing its natural fluctuation. Um, but really, I mean, I think there was a couple, was it last year or the year before? You couldn't turn a corner without a new opening. And definitely more homegrown concepts. But still, I mean, we're still seeing um, brands coming from the U.S. And it's, there's just too many players now, I feel, in the market. I'd say the, the one thing that is changing, I don't think it's completely changed yet, but I think two, three years ago, it was very much a capital-driven market. So people who had a lot of money wanted to invest it somewhere, and they decided for some reason that I don't understand food and beverage was a good place to put that money. So I think it, when you look at it from a capital-driven point of view, um, franchises make sense because you don't have to know anything about operating a restaurant. You don't have to be passionate. You don't have to be, you know, you have a model that, someone sets up for you they give you you know very accurate revenue projections etc so now there was a period where people were trying to set up independent more passion driven uh, restaurants but i think now there's just been a general demotivation when it comes to food and beverage and i think that's why we're starting to see a little bit of a slowdown in these organic openings people who are independent uh, restaurateurs and uh, I mean, I don't blame them. It's it's a very risky, very expensive business to go into. It's not necessarily scalable either. I mean, you, it's not easy to turn one restaurant into a hundred, you know. So, um, but it still seems to be the most popular option for to, you know for businesses to start up. Why is that? To me, it's obvious that somebody who decides to take a home passion into a business is somebody who probably has not worked in that business. So I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. All of this was home passion. But I mean, I had spent almost seven or eight years working in F&B outlets uh, in the United States before I even like thought about opening a restaurant. And I, and I knew what that meant. I knew the hours. I knew the, the culture I knew so 
And I think that's lacking. There's too many people saying, oh, you know, I love food, so I want to you know, do a restaurant. And they have no concept of what goes into that. So uh, it's unfortunate, but, uh, you know, to each his own, I guess. It's like that with any business, I guess. You need the experience before you can venture off and do your own thing. I mean, just some experience, some like taste of what it entails, yeah. especially food, because it is an extremely, it's not like an office job. I mean, it's a hands-on, it's extremely long. There are no public holidays, 365 days a year. Yeah. So it's it's very different than, say, opening up a, a technology company. Um, it, it's It's a lot of work. Technology has really impacted the food sector over the past few years with these, particularly with the um, delivery apps. How do you see that changing perhaps your business model in the future? Would it be an option in the future to to list yourselves on on a place like Deliveroo or Uber Eats? I mean, everything's an option. Um, I, I think the problem is that these solutions are extremely expensive. I was having a conversation with another restaurateur the other day, and he, he's very convinced that these people are out to bankrupt all restaurants, so that they just want to take over the food chain from, from A to Z. I, I don't think that's going to happen, uh, because I think food is different than other things. I mean, there's still a connection, a human element, but um, it, it's not something that we would think about right now, because our mission is to make this bread accessible and affordable. So in order for us to do that we'd have to you know lose 30 35% just off the bat because somebody else is delivering it for us so we are looking into and and challenged with you know the best way to make reach uh, end users so but i i don't see ourselves on that platform right now yeah n- maybe not on those platforms but may- perhaps a platform of our own uh, some kind of e-commerce situation is definitely um something we're discussing okay how do you see the, the food landscape in the region changing over the next few years? Kuwait wants to be the food capital of the world by 2030. Um, you're seeing more people being interested in natural foods, natural ingredients. So is the customer becoming more educated and aware? And if so, how is that going to impact the food sector overall? I think we're already seeing it. As you've, you've hit the nail on the head, more and more people are demanding healthier options. Um, I mean, the fact that Pizza Hut, you know, they've come out with a sourdough, the San Francisco sourdough pizza. And have I mean, you tried it. I, I have not. I have not tried it. But the, the, the point is that I don't know how they make their sourdough. I don't really care. But the fact that they're even going in that direction, they're not doing this on a whim. They have so much research so many teams they do so many things behind you know that you and i can't even think about i mean their budgets just imagine what they what how, the information they can draw on so this it's a it's a clear indication that people are now demanding safer food that is better quality whereas before people were not even interested they didn't really care they're like yeah you know yeah it tastes really good but you know we're not really interested to find out why now people are specifically pointedly asking us in direct messages and on the page what exactly does this mean? So far more sophisticated kinds of questioning and, and a more a bigger demand for information. And one more thing about um, like the direction where things are going, and just to add to what Umber said, um, w- one of our clients is a, is a f- very large um, operator of fast food. And uh, I mean, when they first came to us, uh, I personally was shocked at how much 
interest they were putting in and the lady kept telling me listen people want to know where their food comes from you know if you knew the, the brand you wouldn't think that those kind of people thought like that they thought you know in a, in a different direction so it's definitely changing everybody wants to know what they're eating and do you think it social media has played a role in that I mean, how can it not? I mean, that's where people are getting their information today. So they're, they're getting their information about Pizza Hut, but they're also getting their information about, you know, from health bloggers, from whatever. So everything is disseminated now over social media. There's no way around that. Besides a potential e-commerce platform for you guys, what's next for, for the love of bread? Uh, well, as you know, right now we're in Spinney's and in Waitrose, 13 locations across the Emirates. Did, did Spinney's and Waitrose reach out to you via Instagram? That is the one account. No, I will be honest. They did not reach out to us via Instagram, but um, they do like our social media. Okay. They, they, <laughs> they do like our social media very much. Um, so, yeah, what's next is um, finding the most effective way to bring our bread to uh, you know the, the end user, the, the individual. Uh, that's a big question for us right now. Um, the other thing is uh, product development. So that's where we are right now in, in coming up with new products that will appeal to perhaps a wider audience. That means we have to expand and not be so rigid in saying, well, you know, a sourdough loaf should look like this or whatever. So uh, that's where I think I spend most of my time right now. Well, the best of luck to you both. Thank Alami, you. Amber, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much.